Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much, so much for this day. And the special the choir has given us, the handbells, the instrumentalist, Father, it inspires us, it encourages us, it helps to prepare us for experiencing you today. And I pray that's exactly what we'll do. I pray, God, that uh, as we worship you, and experience every single element of our worship today that father our voices our minds our, our heart will express our love for you and god give you the honor and praise and glory that only you deserve and lord we're looking forward as we talked about last week the resurrected body father that is um when we say goodbye to this world, whether it's through your coming or through our passing, God, as believers in Jesus Christ, we have reason to be hopeful, optimistic because of your promise. And so we come together with excitement as brothers and sisters in Christ. And Father, I pray that as we do, that we will experience your presence today. Lord, we know that we live in a, a difficult world. We also understand that... Uh, that we are experiencing violence in lots of different ways. But in particular, over these last few weeks, it has really been heartbreaking. And Lord, I know it breaks your heart. And I ask, God, that you would encourage us and that you would help us to be the light to the world, to show compassionate care. And I pray that through our service today, that it won't be just an experience here, but it will change our lives to the place where we will strive to reach out to others. It is a confused world, and Father, you are not the author of confusion, and so help us with compassionate care to show love to those confused that we might encourage them to reach out to you. At the same time, Father, I pray that our minds and our hearts and our actions will give you honor and praise and glory. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Welcome to First Baptist Church, Sun City West. And if this is your very first time being here, or if you've never filled out one of our guest cards, if you would look in the pew in front of you, take that card out, fill it in its entirety, and drop it in one of the offering uh, boxes when you leave it, one of the exits, we would certainly appreciate that very much. I'm going to ask you, if you would, let's stand and let's continue our singing to God Be the Glory. On the screen, you will see a reading, and I invite you to read with me, church. Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the power and the glory and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee. And in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and we praise thy glorious name. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. 
dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful today that we can come to church to, to hear more about you. We thank you for um, the Sunday school lessons that we did have. And we're so looking forward to what Pastor has to say for us. And we just pray that we will take everything to heart and we will use it on our journey. In Jesus' name, amen. singing beautifully this morning. Lord, lead me on to higher ground.
Our scripture reading for this morning is from the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. Please follow along on the screen as we read the Holy Word. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at <coughs> my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet, yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ we are grateful for this chance to hear the scriptures and are blessed knowing that these are the words of the Lord.
Kim, thank you so much. What a great truth. No matter what we face in life, we'll never walk alone. Sometimes it feels like it. Sometimes it seems like we're all by ourselves, but the scripture tells us without any doubt that God is always with us. When we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, his spirit comes to live inside of us as a down payment of the hope of the guarantee that is within us, and he never leaves. That helps us as we go through the journey. We refocus and continue on our Joy for the Journey series in the book of Philippians. In chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, which Clara read, it gives us a great understanding of what the Apostle Paul thought about how to have success in the journey of living the Christian life. Success is an interesting term. I read of a CEO of a uh, Fortune 500 company who um, he and his wife stopped at a service station to get gas. <clears throat> he went in to pay, and when he came back out, his wife was engaged with, uh, with a mechanic that worked at that station, and they had a deep conversation, and as they were, uh, were talking, um, uh, he waited for them to finish, and then come to find out that this mechanic and his wife had gone to high school together long before they had met. In fact, they had dated. And so they got in the car and they headed on on their journey and there was this kind of long period of silence and then as, uh, as some can have, um, the CEO was feeling pretty good about himself and he said, you know, I bet I know what you were thinking when you were talking with your friend. I bet you thought, man, I am so glad that I met my husband and I married him instead of that mechanic. <laughs> and she thought for a moment and looked at him and said, no. No, actually, what I thought was, if I had married him, he would be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company and you'd be the mechanic. <laughs> we look at success in different ways. Success has been defined as the accomplishment of an aim or a purpose. Brandon Young defines it as success is obedience to God, empowered by the Spirit of God, motivated by the love of God and love for God, and directed toward the advancement of the kingdom. Success, from what Paul indicates and writes here in the book of Philippians, I think will encourage and help us to finish strong in our days and be successful in God's eyes. But there are things that he says must take place. First and foremost, success requires centering our attention on one thing at a time. That is, concentrating on the goal. This whole passage of three verses and actually other places in the book of Philippians, they're made up of athletic terms. Terms that the people at uh, Philippi would understand because of the implication of those terms with their association of Mount Olympus and those great games. So Paul writes in verse 13, he says, but this one thing I do, and that's significant. In a race, as you have probably seen, if you've watched any track and field events, in a race, a runner can only think about the race that he is running. He can't think about what's ahead. 
He can't think about the other runners. He has to focus on the goal of getting across that finish line first. Because if he begins to turn to the left or begins to turn to the right or he lets his mind wander to other things, he loses that kind of momentum, a stride. I've seen races where the runners... Even in the Olympic Games, they are, are running 100 meters and they will take a glance back to see where that person is and invariably there is this loss of, a, of, of just a slight stride that can cost them the race. So Paul understood the importance of concentration, of centering your mind on that one thing. God had made him responsible for carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ to the entire Gentile world. He said to, uh, uh, in, in Acts chapter 9 and 15, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles. Even Paul said in Romans eleven thirteen, I am the apostle to the Gentiles. Paul understood the great burden that was put upon him. God looked and said, listen, we're going to branch out. We're going to move beyond the people of Israel, because they are rejecting my son. And the light of the gospel is now going to go to the entire world. And Paul, you are the one who's going to carry that light. Now he could have become lost in all the details. To be the ambassador, to be the one basically in charge of getting the light to the Gentile world, that could be overwhelming. But Paul said, this one thing I do. I think there are some reasons why Paul didn't get lost in things. And I think there are spiritual truths for us. Because it is, could be easy for us to get overwhelmed. Not only because of the things that we have to do, not only because of the season of life that we're in, but also because we can become overwhelmed. We find that Paul helps us to understand to keep above the minutia. All those little details that could combine together to just overwhelm us into a place that we're paralyzed. He said that he had one goal. Scripture tells us that one goal is to please God. He writes it in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21, for me to live is Christ. The idea of that scripture which we have already studied in this series, it just means all of life. For me to live is Christ. If I'm going to live in this life, it's all of life. It's not just one segment of my life. It's just not one component of my life. But it's all of it. The goal was divided in countless tasks for Paul, but he just had one goal. We can lose sight of the goal in many tasks. It's easy to do. If I sat down with you and talked with you about a task that you had to do and, and what your goal was, you, you could eliminate some things, but there'd still be a lot of things on your plate that you'd have to say, well, I've got to get this done, this done, this done. And sometimes we can lose sight of that one vital, overarching goal that we have. We come to this place 
understanding that Paul is helping us to know what the very highest priority is. When we set apart our Vision 2025, and that was before COVID and in the midst of COVID, and it certainly set us aside, and we had to readjust some of our, of our details. But I'll tell you this, there are a myriad of details in that vision and the action plans for us to accomplish. And if all we do is look at just all of those things, it would paralyze us as a church to say, we just can't get all that done. But the reality is, the overarching goal that we have is to make Christ known. It's a great strategy and a great document, one that we follow. But when it's all said and done at the end of the day, as a church body, our focus is to make Christ known to each other as we encourage each other and to the community as we try to be compassionate in our caring and to spread the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul never looked at the bigness of the task. His vision that God had given him was not a vision 2025, it was a vision the Gentile world. To win the Gentile world is an impossible task. Paul could have sat on the side and said, God, there's no way to that will accomplish this kind of thing. And yet that's what God had tasked him for. What Paul did, though, is he looked at the opportunity. He would never... I read the story of a shoe salesman that went to a third world country, and he was so discouraged, he came back after a few months, he said, nope. same, same third world country, and, and he sent a, a quick message because nobody wears shoes here. <laughs> How we look at things. It's the difference of our perspective and our to engage in that kind of activity. To accomplish the task, we look at the opportunity. We don't say with negativity, oh, I can't do that. We can't say, well, there's It's overwhelming and <coughs> too high of a mountain to climb. Jesus said, if God calls you and tells you, this is what I want you to do, he's already gifted you to do that. His spirit. Don't be negative. Don't have a lousy attitude about it. God, he created everything out of nothing. He certainly can empower you to accomplish that. That's the way Paul looked at this. The kind of concentration that's going to bring success from Paul's perspective. You see, when God calls you and, and says, here's what I want you to do, you have, you have a choice to make. You have a decision. Paul said, this one God has called me to do, I'm going to do it. I've made up my mind. It shows that Paul went through a process of thought and decision and commitment. He thought through it. He could have easily said, it's too big of a task. I'm not going to accomplish that. But rather, 
he came back and said, okay, I've made my decision, and I'm committed to it because I know that the creator of the universe has empowered me to do that. Second, it not only requires us to make up our mind, it also requires action. Action sometimes is the more difficult. In our mind, we can say, yeah, I think, I, I think that I'm going to do that. Paul looked at uh, verse 12. He writes, but I press on. In verse 14, he says, I press on toward the goal. Listen, what God has called you to do, what he's leading you to do, and you being successful in it, means that it's not just to wish that it will happen. It's not just in the planning process. Those are steps to get forward to what God wants you to achieve. But somewhere there's got to be action. I think of the choir and uh, uh, Palm Sunday, their beautiful presentation of the message of Easter. And they could have spent a lot of hours back there in the rehearsal room or in here as you were rehearsing and going every page, getting everything right, listening to those CDs, everything that you were doing to accomplish that. And you could have done that and done that and planned for it, but if they hadn't come out into the choir loft on Palm Sunday and presented it, we would have never heard that. We would have never heard that message. You can spend a lot of time planning and preparing, but if you don't have action, it's not going to accomplish what needs to be done. We look at, uh, at Holy Week. Holy Week is, uh, is something that has been uh, part of this congregation well, well over 25 years. I think that uh, everyone that I spoke with through the course of Holy Week. And, and if you really look at all of the people that were engaged and involved in Holy Week, from the Bible study classes providing lunches to the speakers to the musicians, everybody involved, it was, uh, and, and, and from Palm Sunday all the way to Easter, you're talking well over 100 people were engaged in doing something to help that to be successful. Back 25 plus years ago, if they had sat there and said, you know what, I think that, uh, I think we ought to, I think we ought to do something like this because this would honor God. And so they could put all of their plans together. But somebody could have said, ah, you know what, it's just too much work. It's, it's too much to put on. And look at all that we've missed over these last 25 plus years. And how God spoke to us this week we might not have ever experienced. Paul looks at this and he says, listen, this one thing I do, there is a decision to be made, planning to be done, prayers to be accomplished, but I've got to engage on it. And he says, I press on. We've got to work through that. So concentration is going to do that. It's concentrating on what God has said. This is what I want you to do. I think success also in this passage involves forgetting the past. You know, for a senior adult community, for, for those of us, all of us now that are, are, uh, are part of this community of, uh, of seasoned believers, uh, there are a lot of things that we're going to have to forget if we're going to be really successful in accomplishing what God wants. Paul said in verse 13, he says, forgetting what is behind. 
Forgetting what is behind is a little bit difficult. Sometimes it's very difficult. We find it's another athletic term. A, a runner who looks back at his opponent most likely will break stride, most likely will lose the race unless he is way far ahead. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 62, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. He says, listen, once, once, you, once you decide you're going to become a believer in Jesus Christ, don't let anything keep you from doing that. Not even things that are difficult and things that you have to forget. You've got to get them out of the way. Paul had to forget some things in his own life for him to be the kind of ambassador to the Gentiles and as successful as he was. He had to give up uh, his aspirations. He had become uh, an, a lawyer, a Pharisee. He sat at the feet of one of the most renowned Jewish teachers of that day, Gamaliel. He was one of the youngest members from our assumption uh, that was invited to be a part of the Sanhedrin, that Jewish ruling council. And even his family, when he became a, G, uh, a follower of Jesus Christ, we, we know nothing about any family members, yet he had to have family members, and there is that possibility that when he became a Christian, as zealous as he was for Yahweh, that his family members may have said, we write you out, we consider you dead. That's a possibility. And he had, to, he had to put his aspirations aside because he had great aspirations. You could see that from his aggressiveness of wanting to, to put persecution upon those who are people of the way, followers of Jesus. When he came to know Christ, he had to put that stuff aside. I'm putting my ambitions, my aspirations to the side. Now I'm concentrating on one thing. He also had to uh, put aside some guilt. He was an accomplice to the murder of Stephen. Or at least affirmed, and he held the coats of those. He says, and when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed... I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Wow. How do you... ...of their affirming this person is a Christian... ...life. And here Stephen... Stephen faithfulness to the gospel every stone that was hit on his body and Paul had to live with that for the rest of his life but Paul said forgetting what is behind things that might prohibit us Paul said I, I got to move it out of the way also you have to, Paul said, I've got to forget the hardness of the way. The beatings that he took, the, the, the stones, times that he was stoned to left for dead, his prison, shipwrecks, 
In 2 Corinthians, we see that he writes out, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. That is quite a litany of the hardness of the way to be faithful to God and be successful when he calls you to do something. Being a believer in Jesus Christ who is sold out and committed to what God has called us to do all of our life is not for wimps. <laughs> but sometimes we sidestep those responsibilities. We say, I just can't do that. i got other things I have to do. But if you're really committed, Paul says, this is what's going to have to happen. You've got to give up some things in order to be successful for the kingdom of God. And Paul listed those. And I think that we can bring them into our own lives as well. Because obviously, God has called us to the ministry of reconciliation. He has called us to engage in this world. Let them know about the light. and Share His compassion, His unconditional love to people who are in great need. So there's some things that we're going to have to forget if we're going to be faithful. We're going to have to forget our blunders. You know, no one's perfect, and we're going to make mistakes. I've made them. I've made a lot of them. And I figure I'm going to make a bunch more in the future. We have to own up to them. To accomplish the work of God, we can't let our mistakes and our blunders of the past hold us back and say, well, I, I can't re-engage because, man, I, I messed up here. No. We've got to forget them, he says. Forgetting what is behind. There's some things we've got to forget. How about our heartaches? You know, when we lose those who are close to us in life and ministry, it breaks our heart. And sometimes to the point in the realm of our grief that we just want to quit. Just set out the rest of the time. But let me tell you, that's not it. We have to move forward. We have to understand that, that God still has a plan, and He will reveal that plan for us even when we lose someone who is close to us. How about our injuries? If you've been in life much and if you've been in church much, you know people are going to hurt us. They're going to say things either to us or behind us that are going to cut to the heart. There are going to be those that 
will attack us, be critical of us. And there's a part of us that are going to want to hold grudges. We're going to want to put up a barrier, even to a fellow brother or sister in Christ. But let me tell you, if we try to do that, it's going to eat us alive. It's going to hinder the work of God, His work through us. We will not be able to accomplish all the things He desires us to do. And it's very possible that it can become a root of bitterness in our lives. God said in Hebrews 12, 15, He said through the writer, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. No matter how many times you've been hurt, it does not qualify you for saying, I'm not going to church anymore. Obviously, I say that to the folks that are here. <laughs> but we're going to get hurt. Whether they're Christians or not Christians, human nature is going to happen. God says, listen, there, there is no reason that there is a root of bitterness that ought to grow in your heart and soul because you will not be able to accomplish all that God has for you, the potential that he has for you. You have to let it go. You have to forget it. And the last thing is sin. What do we do with sin as a believer? Well, we always, as believers, when we sin... We have to acknowledge it, we have to confess it, we have to ask forgiveness for it, and then we need to forget about it and not let it continue to drag us down. Don't whisper, listen to the sayings that Satan is going to continue to put in your ear and say, listen, you can't do that because here's how you sinned. You're not worthy. And if we hear those words and we take it to heart, and we set ourselves to the side. We're not going to accomplish the things God wants us to. Again, God says in Hebrews 8, 12, For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. No more, he says. If we acknowledge it, we confess it, we ask forgiveness as God forgives us and remembers it no more we should not either we should be free of that and Paul's saying listen if you're going to be successful in the kingdom of God the way that he wants you to with all the possibilities just know that you're going to have to forget some blunders and some heartaches and some injuries and some sins along the way don't lose track and last, we find that success demands never giving up. I love this because of who we are as a church family. Through these years, we have been faithful. We, we have persevered. We're in this season of life where, where so many of us want to finish strong. We want to serve God with everything that we have. And so we can't give up. Paul says in verse 14, he says, I press on. I press on toward the goal. 
And literally, it means I go on pressing on. In other words, I'm giving everything I have to the very last moment that I give my breath. So what does it mean to press on to us? Well, I think press on means to keep your mind centered on the goal. The goal is not things. The goal is not events. The goal is to please God. God. <coughs> Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 9, my only goal is to please God. He says that. Now he had a whole Gentile world to be an ambassador to, but this is what he said. My only goal is to please God. So don't try to get your success from how many hours that you serve on a team or, or how much money that you give or how faithful you are to all the different events that we have. The goal that you should have is to please God because when you strive to please God above everything else, then He's going to provide the strength, the abilities, and the way to accomplish the things that He has called you to do. We can never get lost in things, in the events, in the minutiae. Because if we do and we get lost in that, it's going to become a maze. How do we accomplish this over here? And this leads to this and this leads to his. And all of a sudden we have all of these details out there and we've lost sight of the goal. It's like the old saying that says, you, you can't see the forest because of the trees. You need to step back remember. We're here to please God. We must see every day's problems, which every day has problems. And we must see those problems in light of pleasing God. No matter what obstacle we face, what point of discouragement might come, we've got to step back and say, okay, how can this very difficult situation in my life how can I please God through this and accomplish what He wants me to do? We have lots of caregivers in our, in our congregation that care for their spouse. Sometimes the spouses are caring for each other because they both have major medical issues. And so every day there are difficulties. And it's hard. And the priority, always, I always say that the greatest ministry you have is caring for your spouse, taking care of them. That's what God wants you to do. And so when the problems like that or any other problems come, you focus on how can I please God through these difficulties? I think press on also means to keep moving toward the goal. Don't look down. In Matthew chapter 14, we have the illustration of uh, Peter. He was so excited to see Jesus after the resurrection that he got out of the boat and he started walking on the water. That's all he could fix his eyes on. You know the story well. Waves were high. He didn't care. He was going to Jesus because Jesus gave him permission. And then all of a sudden, something happened. And he began to look around and said, wait a second, this isn't normal. 
and he got afraid and he sank but he did the right thing because as he sank he cried out to Jesus as we go through life there are going to be those times where God has called us and and we know I, I have to keep moving toward the goal but there's going to be that momentary time where we may begin to sink the thing you always have to remember is that you've got to keep your eye on Jesus you've got to keep your eye on the goal of pleasing God through Jesus Christ in obedience to him no matter what comes no matter how rough the seas are how tall the waves are and how the wind is blowing in our face he's always the one that we look to and he'll help us get through every difficulty pleasing God and being obedient to Jesus Christ is going to help us to not see the impossibilities of what God has asked us to do because nothing is impossible with God and when he's called us to do the impossible he says nope it's possible because I've called you to do that another reminder is that we never need to dwell on the details and the negativity why is that because when God is moving you forward toward the goal of pleasing him by whatever capacity that is whatever he's called you to do and gifted you to do there is going to be that time where you might say uh nope i'm as i'm looking at all these details it scares me and it can scare you to the point where you are not going to do what you're commanded to do or called to do you always have to look at pleasing god period and I promise you, he will take care of the rest. And think about Moses. Moses was apprehensive. He said he couldn't speak. But he spoke powerfully because God empowered him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt in the Exodus. And I promise you this, as he was that leader of that great group, there were plenty of details, there were plenty of obstacles, there was plenty of negativity toward him and toward God but he just kept moving on because he knew that God had called him and led him to accomplish this task so I, th I think press on means that we have to continue on to move toward the goal of pleasing God and I think last press on means a wholehearted effort hope hearted effort toward the goal of pleasing him and it means you you put everything into it i think of of uh, jack connor we had his his memorial service yesterday here's a man that was in his early 90s when he passed and and once he gave his life to jesus christ in college the rest of his life he was sold out to ministry for god and went in areas that most people would not go that's exactly what Paul did once God transformed his life at Damascus on that Damascus Road experience he he gave his all to God he didn't care about anything else because all the things you accumulate here are going to stay here when you die what he cared about was pleasing God 
In verse 13, Paul says it out of the King James Version, it says, reaching forth. In the NIV, it says straining forward. It has the picture, this image of someone who is running the race. It's another athletic term that he uses. And the idea is keep your hands and your eyes reaching forward. Use them to pull yourself forward. And that's exactly what we do when we swing our arms. The momentum keeps us going. He said, I press on. No matter what, I'm pressing on. And I think if you're going to be successful in the eyes of God, you take on this understanding that you never slack up, you never slow down, you never give up. No matter what stage of life we're in, we continue to be sold out for God doing the things that we are able to do because he will not call us to do things that we are unable to do. Paul said, I go on pressing on, and I think that is the challenge for us as we continue in this journey of life to be successful in the eyes of God is to continue to press on. He said this one thing I do. He says, forgetting what lies behind. He says, I press on. Success for the journey demands concentration, it demands action, and it demands dedication. And that's the challenge for us today as believers in Jesus Christ. And my question to you this morning, where you are today, is that something that you are willing to commit to or that you're willing to commit to continue on if that's what you're doing? Let's please God with everything that we have. Father, as we move into our time of invitation, I pray that you would inspire, encourage us, and speak to us to make decisions today that are vital and important for us personally. Every single person in here is different. But we hear what Paul says. We see his exampled life. And God, I pray, as we go into this invitation, whatever decision needs to be made on our part, that we would choose to make it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please, let's sing our invitation.
you would, please be seated, okay? All right. Carol, did we have did we have those pictures? Were we able to get those up? I want to introduce you to the newest grandchild for Debbie and I, in case you didn't see. Yeah. Somebody told me today that, that he looks like me. <laughs> trying to figure that out, but it, uh, this is who you've been praying for to, uh, to get over the hump at the 37-week mark and for about a week, week and a half, two weeks prior to the birth because they, they were going to have to make sure that he, he came into this world early and healthy, and that's what happened on, uh, on Wednesday. His name is Hudson Ellis Higgins. And we're so excited to have them there. Do we, do we have the picture of, of the big sister? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> look at that. Look at that smile. And it's hard to see there, but the baby's eyes are looking up at uh, at his big sister, Hallie. Yeah. Anyway, I know you've been praying. I wanted to make sure that you, if you uh, did, were not on the prayer chain, that you got to see these uh, that you have prayed for because it's an answer to prayer. So thank you very, very much. Okay. Miss Nancy. We have beautiful flowers on the altar table today, and they are provided by Don and Darlene Nixon, <clears throat> some of our Canadian friends. And this is their message to you, church family. Thanks to everyone for being so helpful and kind to us as we head back to Canada. We will miss you. Thank you so much for the beautiful flowers. If you have gone through either of the lobbies, the small lobby or the main lobby, you have seen there are four sign-up sheets. There's a sign-up, and this is the last day, ladies, for you to sign up for the Ladies' Spring into Fashion event this coming Saturday from 11 to 1. You will need to sign up if you haven't already so that there's sufficient lunch for everyone. And then the other three may seem like it's a little quick, which it is. Because of Holy Week, <coughs> we delayed the men's breakfast and partners on mission for a week. So. <coughs> You will see in both lobbies the men's breakfast sign up for May 2nd and the partners on mission for May 3rd, as well as for the movie lunch, which will be coming up on the, the Thursday, the 27th. So take time to stop and sign up and be involved. Thank you. Hey church family, Alex Dennis here with Asante Church in Surprise, Arizona. I just want to say thank you so much for all your prayers and support over the last couple of weeks. This has been an awesome Easter season for us. We started off with eggs and pancakes at the park. We had about 500 people come through that event and every single one of those families got an invite to Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday was also really strong for us. We had two services, so that was great practice there. We had 212 people show up and hear the gospel message. Again, thank you so much for all your prayers, all your support. And here's a couple of videos to show you how awesome everything's been. We'll talk to you soon.
All right. Now that people that came to their Easter egg hunt from their community to try to to not only touch the and on Sunday, Easter Sunday, they had 212 since all that long. So we come and stand beside me. And uh, Judy, won't you come with her if you would? This is Brenda Warner. Uh, Brenda is coming believer in Jesus Christ and follow through in believers' baptism. And this to say, I want to be a part of this fellowship, and we are so excited. These folks, okay. All in favor of accepting Brenda, if you do that by the sign, aye. aye. Okay, doesn't sound like it. I have to say no. Anybody say no? Okay, there is no. Um, we are so excited to have you, and uh, the smile on your face. For you too. And just a few moments, our folks are going to come around and give you the right hand of Christian fellowship, basically saying, and in doing so, they're saying, Welcome to the family. And we're going to be working beside you, praying with you in these. Okay, Marie? This is Marie Stevenson Williams, and Marie is coming. Uh, like-minded Baptist Church in Fort Worth, Texas, where I went to seminary. We are just so excited to have you. You have been uh, visiting with us as a guest for a long time, regular tender. It's so good to have you. It is. And that smile, like Brenda says, everything. All in favor, accepting against her by So good to have you. And in just a few moments after our closing prayer, Lord, the folks are going to come and give you the right hand of Christian fellowship as well, welcoming you both to say, you know what? This is your family. And we're looking forward to the times ahead, how God has gifted both of you in continuing to worship and serve and be encouragement to one another as well as praying for you. And I'm going to ask if you would stand. I think we have a closing prayer. Sharon? Just help us to, to keep moving forward.
Thank you.